It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, welcome to episode 23 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm here as always with Adam Kersenblatt. And this week we have a special guest as 2023 NHL draft prospect Nico Majadovic from the Seattle Thunderbirds will be joining the show to talk about the current WHL playoffs and his run up to the draft this June. A little later, we will take a quick look at the upcoming Clash of the Titans between Nico's team, the Seattle Thunderbirds, and the Kamloops Blazers in the third round of the playoffs. We'll also give you an update on the rest of what's going on in the WHL playoffs and then uh, close out with the Vegas Golden Knights as our NHL Team of the Week. Uh, so to uh, get us started today, we'll dive right in. Uh, here's our chat with Nico Majadovic. All right, joining us right now on the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, we are very happy to have Seattle Thunderbirds forward Nico Majadovic. Thanks so much for stopping by. I understand we're uh, getting you straight from practice today. How was that? Yeah, it went well. Uh, getting ready for round three here, so it was pretty good. And I saw on your uh, on your team social that uh, the whole group went out to uh, to take in the Seattle Kraken game four on uh, on Monday night. What was that like? Yeah, the building was electric, and uh, yeah, I went to overtime, so it was a pretty exciting game, and obviously they ended up winning, so uh, the place erupted there. is quite the atmosphere. Uh, so uh, those good vibes carry over to your practice today. You guys get a little bit of a charge out of that? Yeah, I think I think for sure. Um, just seeing, you know, the pros do that now, translate it kind of hopefully to the to the Western League, so it was, it was nice to see that and uh, kind of get away from our own team in, in, in that event and that, se- and that sequence, so it was pretty good. Yeah, I saw that you guys have had nearly a week off since you uh, finished off Prince George in that four-game sweep. So um, how has your coach been keeping you guys engaged and occupied and passing the time before you get ready to uh, meet up with Kamloops? It's been good. Um, we we had a couple of days off there from the travel uh, back to back to Seattle, but now we're back to work. Um, you know, we're practicing and, uh, you know, we did a little – you know, full ice scrimmage actually today. So just a little stuff like that to keep us in the game shape. Um, and yeah, just so that we're ready to go uh, Saturday night. So in on Saturday night, we have the two top teams in the West that are set to face off with you in Seattle and then Kamloops. Uh, you both haven't lost a game yet going 8-0 and throughout the playoffs. So what are we, um, what are we ex- uh, supposed to expect from the series of these two powerhouses? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good battle. Um, you know, we I think both teams have a lot of skill, but both teams work hard as well. So it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be gutsy wins, you know, every single night from from both teams. Um, and yeah, like I said, like both teams just work work hard. So it's going to be a really high compete series, I think. Um, as someone who grew up in Prince George, how cool was it to uh, go back there in the last series as a as a member of the Thunderbirds and get a chance to play in that barn as a as a dub guy? It was super cool. Um, tons of friends and family came out. Uh, you know, all texting me before we we headed up there that they got their tickets and stuff. So the support was awesome. And then, I mean, just in general, I think the entire city up there was kind of rallying behind the Cougars. Um, 
you know, selling out that arena there. So that was pretty awesome to see. And it made for a good time up there. Um, was there any particular moment that kind of stood out to you from your time in Prince George? Um, not necessarily. I think just the two wins, uh, that was, you know, kind of the mindset going up there and try to, you know, end, end the series, uh, you know, on a, on a good note up there in Prince George. And, and we did that. So I think, yeah, just getting those two wins up there was huge. Now, shifting over to the NHL draft, which is in a couple months, uh, final draft rankings are out and you recently uh, went all the way up from 47th to uh, 26th. So what was going through your head when you saw that big jump in the draft rankings? Yeah, it was it was cool, um, you know, just to be, you know, mentioned on that list with, you know, all those other, uh, you know, really good talents. It was, it was pretty it was pretty cool to see. Um but, you know, try not to let it get to your head right now. We all know uh, in this dressing room, we all got, you know, one common goal, and that's to win a, win a championship. So that's kind of all that we're focused on right now. And have you already started doing some draft combine prep uh, or draft prep at this moment? Or is it more just to focus on the playoffs? And then once that's done, you can focus on the draft. Yeah, it's been it's been mostly focusing on the playoffs at this point. Um, you know, trying to trying to get this championship done. And then, yeah, we'll look forward to to that stuff afterwards. Uh, and speaking of the uh, top talent from the WHL and and from all across Canada, really, that's going to be um, up in this draft this year, you had an opportunity to play with and against a whole bunch of those guys at the Top Prospects game in January. Um, were there lessons, takeaways from that event? Anything that you were able to sort of carry over to the second half of your season with Seattle? Yeah, it, it, I was, you know, I think the event was just really well done, um, you know, meeting with all those guys across the CHL um, and just seeing, yeah, the, the rest of the skill that these guys have, you know, I don't get, you only really get a good chance to see, you know, the Quebec guys or the Ontario League guys, um, you know, throughout the regular season. So just, you know, being involved, uh, you know, across all three leagues like that, it was, it was pretty cool. And then obviously the game, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of high end skill out there that, you know, I think the game went really well. So it, it was pretty cool. Uh, what was it like having to uh, face your teammate Scott Ratzloff in that? Yeah, it was it was pretty special that uh, obviously Scotty was on the other team and then and then Soch was you know with me, so that made the event kind of uh, a little bit more special um, that we could all you know three of us could do it there together and and then yeah, shooting on Scotty it was pretty it was pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, obviously one of your teammates on Team Red there was a, a, a little known player from Western Canada called Connor Bedard. Um, uh, do you know Connor at all from, from growing up? Had you, uh, had you played with him much in your younger days? No, not, not really. I mean, he was a year younger, so I hadn't, um, you know, crossed paths with him a lot. I mean, I played against him a, a little bit growing up, but never really, you know, on the same team or anything like that. Uh, and so what was it like being teammates with him? What was it like seeing him sort of in the dressing room and, uh, and working like that closely with him? Yeah, it was really cool. And he's just such a, such a humble guy for, you know, how highly touted he is. Uh, that was the big thing I drew from him, just a really good character kid. Um, and it was just awesome, you know, always, always involved with the team and stuff. So it was pretty cool. Now you've had a, a pretty interesting uh, W career, you know, a late round draft pick in the Bantam draft all the way up to, so what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned on your WHL journey uh, so far? I think just, just working hard. Um, that, that's kind of my, my biggest thing, obviously. Yeah. The, the late Bantam pick. So, um, you know, I had to, I had to work hard and I think just being drafted to this organization in Seattle, it, it helped me a lot. Um, 
you know, the entire organization, the coaching staff, they all kind of brought me in and, and helped me develop. And I think, you know, that COVID year uh, where I played a few games, it really helped me. And then especially last year, I think I took a huge stride in my development. So, um, yeah, I think just the people that I was surrounded by and the support I had, it, it was pretty good. And it helped me, uh, you know, along my journey here. Um, and talking about last year, you are part of that, that core group that made it all the way to the WHL final last year. So you've had a taste of a long playoff run, but uh, how hungry did that make you to uh, go all the way and finish the job this year? Yeah, just, you know, we were, we're two wins shy. So, um, you know, that didn't really sit well with a lot of us in that room. Uh, I definitely, you know, sparked a fire under us. Um, and yeah, now obviously our goal is to to finish it off this year. Um, there's a you know this entire room is is super hungry to win a championship, and I I think that's gonna you know help you know it's helping us drive uh, to win to win that thing. Um, and obviously, your organization has taken a lot of big steps to bring in more talent to help push you to that championship level. What's the dynamic been like through I guess the second half of the season when uh, when all those new players joined in? Yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, they did a really good job at assembling this team. Um, and I think the biggest thing for us was just, you know, trying to come together as a team. Um, and I think we really did that uh, coming into the playoffs. Um, and then even throughout these playoffs, we've, we've made huge strides. And, you know, that, that room in there is super tight now. Um, and we've done a really good job. And the entire staff has done a really good job at, at doing that. And now, you know, like I said, we all, we're all pulling in the same direction, which is really good to see. Now, on a team with so much NHL-drafted uh, prospects and talent, how do you, as a dra uh, player that is in the process of the draft, uh, make sure that you get noticed every night and stand out from uh, all that talent in the crowd so that the scouts can really focus on what you can bring uh, in the for, for them to be able to draft you in the future? Yeah, I think just, you know, not getting caught up in, like you said, all these other draft picks um, – just playing my game every single night. Um, you know, it's what's brought me success to this point. So I see no reason to, to change anything. Um, and just making sure that, yeah, you know, when I'm on the ice, I'm, I'm winning my matchup and I'm, and I'm bringing that same energy that I have, you know, my entire career that's led me, you know, to the success I've gotten to at this point. Um, now you mentioned that your room has gotten, uh, has gotten really tight. Has the group adopted any rituals or superstitions through this playoff run that uh, are sort of helping to, to guide you or be sort of your guiding light through, uh, through the playoffs this year? Um, guess a little bit. Um, you know, we got, <laughs> we actually had a song made, made after us uh, by one of our coaches, uh, uh, one of his old teammates, actually, that's now a, that was songwriters. So uh, we have our own song that, that all the guys are listening to, which is pretty cool. And, and, and you know, we're listening to uh, And I'm guessing that still is a song that like stays in the room and on your iPhones that we can't just go find on Spotify or download or anything quite yet. Yeah, well, you could you could actually find it. It's just called uh, Thunderbirds. Um, you could you could look it up on YouTube. I think our our YouTube page has it up there and stuff. So it's it's pretty cool. Oh, that's fantastic. And is that what you guys play in the room after wins? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what about, what about Thomas Millich? If we're going to talk about superstitions, goalies are always known for being a little bit eccentric. Is he a guy who gets really sort of dialed in and, uh, and, and within himself on game days or is he more of a go with the flow kind of a dude? 
Uh, he's kind of go with the flow. Uh, I room with him on the road actually. So, uh, I got to, I, you know, I got to know him pretty well, obviously throughout the years. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just with him, he just gets so in tune with his game as, as, you know, playoffs go on or the season goes on every single game. It just seems like he gets stronger and, you know, more unbeatable. So, I mean, we're pretty lucky to have him back there. Uh, and uh, just our last question, as you can see over my other shoulder, I have a uh, CL Kraken tell myself. I was down for game three on uh, on Saturday night and got to see the Kraken's first playoff game and see the, the fan support that they were getting and what the general vibe is like. Now, I know the Thunderbirds have are established and have a, a, a very passionate fan base of their own, but have you noticed the general sort of interest in hockey and enthusiasm for hockey in general in Seattle? Has it changed this year with this, with the success that the Kraken have had? Yeah. And I, you know, it, it started coming last year, obviously within, with them having their first year, but yeah, I think especially this year now that they're finding some, you know, a lot of success. Um, I think it's just grown the game in the Pacific Northwest up here and which is awesome to see. I think, I think all these, you know, so, so into their sports, whether it be hockey or, you know, other sports too. Um, they just love, you know, coming out to games and events and stuff. So it's been pretty awesome to see. Yeah. So would you say Seattle is a hockey town? For sure. For sure. They are. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, we play in Kent, but then we, you know, we went to that game last night and you could just see it on, on full display, how passionate they were uh, at that game. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll have a, a passionate and enthusiastic crowd supporting you this weekend when the series with Kamloops starts. So uh, best of luck with that and the rest of the way. And uh, thanks again so much for taking the time to join us today, Nico. Yeah, no worries. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks again to Nico for uh, making the time to join us today. Uh, your thoughts on the interview, Adam? Yeah, obviously very polished, which we would expect from a top prospects at the NHL draft. I really like how he talked about the journey that he's gone on through this and how that Seattle Thunderbirds team, you know, we talk about player ego when you have this many star players, but it just seems like that team is gelling at the right time that that team is, they're not playing for themselves. They're playing for each other. And we can see the results as they're in the Western conference final. Um, yeah. And it is pretty interesting that the, uh, the chemistry experiment of bringing in all those top players to augment the group that Mayadovic was part of last year certainly seems like it's working so far. The uh, Thunderbirds are still undefeated so far in the playoffs, but uh, there'll be a, a big test getting to uh, when the, the Blazers touch down for uh, the beginning of round three this weekend. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute, but uh, first let's uh, talk a little bit more about the latest updates uh, with round two. As we record on Tuesday, now three of the four series are complete and we have game seven between Saskatoon and Red Deer going on Tuesday night. So uh, we'll know the outcome of that series by the time this podcast drops into the world on Wednesday morning. Um, but for now, Let's uh, let's take a look at Monday night's game, which saw Winnipeg eliminate Moose Jaw. Yeah, so Winnipeg took care of Moose Jaw eight to two to win the series. Uh, this is the second straight season that the Ice will play in the Eastern Final, and they'll be looking for a little bit of a better result than last year, where they lost four one to Edmonton. Um, one player that really stepped up for Winnipeg late in the series was Connor Geeky, the Arizona Coyotes prospect. He had five goals and an assist across game five and six after only registering four assists over the first four games. His breakout also coincides with him becoming an uncle as his brother Morgan Geeky of the Seattle Kraken became a dad on Saturday night. So we often hear about players having dad energy after their kids are born. 
but maybe uncle energy is something that we have to start looking into. <laughs> Whatever works. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure the whole geeky family is pretty excited about the new addition to uh, to Morgan's family. And uh, I certainly saw a lot of Morgan geeky jerseys in Seattle while I was down there. There was a couple staying at my hotel who'd come up from Oregon, and uh, and and they um, the, the the fellow had uh, had a geeky jersey. So um, he's he's got lots of support, and uh, you know I think you're right that Connor is just riding the uh, the, the the family good vibes. I lo I love this uncle energy concept very much. Um, now, taking a quick look at uh, Saskatoon Red Deer, um, as mentioned, you will already know how this turns out by the time you listen to this podcast, but uh, we're still in the dark right now. What we do know is that the Rebels had a 3-0 lead in that series, and Saskatoon has stormed back to uh, force game seven with three straight wins. Yeah, so a major swing in the series was when Bladesford, Justin Lees, hit Rebels forward Kaylin Lind in the head in game four. Uh, Lees was suspended for three games while Lind has yet to return to the series. Since the hit, Saskatoon has outscored Red Deer 14-8. to They've also won all three of their games by two or more goals. So this moment where you lose one of your top players and a top prospect for this draft has really swung the momentum in uh, Saskatoon's favor. Um, and we've also seen a change in, uh, in net for Red Deer as well in these last few games. Yeah, so... Red Deer has relied on uh, Kyle Kelsey for most of the playoffs, yet Chase Coward was a net for the losses in Game 5 and 6. By the time you hear this podcast, we'll know which goalie started in Game 7 for Red Deer and how big of a role that uh, they ended up playing in the result. And then uh, looking on the other side for Saskatoon, if they do pull off the reverse sweep, a big reason why would be uh, for Trevor Wong, who's going into Game 7, has points in all but the opener for the series. An undrafted uh, center with was a massive reason behind the Blades' first-round series win against Regina and will be a key player for Saskatoon, not just in this year's playoff if they advance, but also next season as an overager as he is expected to be back with Saskatoon next season. All right. Um, the thing that we do know, of course, as mentioned, is that it's uh, the two team, two top teams in the West, the Seattle Thunderbirds with home ice advantage against the Kamloops Blazers with the series starting this weekend in Seattle. Uh, take us through the series, uh, set the stage uh, beyond what Nico shared with us. And uh, do you have a prediction? Yeah, so. This is going to be a very exciting uh, playoff series. I am going to try my best to get to a game, whether it's in Kamloops or Seattle, because this is going to be one of the most exciting series I think we've had in a while. So the two teams split the season series this year with only one of the game, one of the four games being won by more than one goal. So each team won one game in regulation and one game in overtime or a shootout. Uh, the last time these two teams played was a home and home in late March, and each team walked away with a victory while at home. Uh, this series is going to be exciting as it is arguably the battle of the two best teams in the WHL and me, maybe even the CHL at this moment. Um, as for a prediction, I'm looking at the Thunderbirds in six games, uh, but I also think that every game is going to be very close. So I don't think we're going to get any games that are separated by two goals or more. Um, Seattle in my mind is the deepest squad in the entire CHL and should be the front runner for the Memorial Cup championship. Uh, but based off of how these two teams are playing, this very much could be a preview of what we'll see in the more Memorial Cup final later on in uh, May. 
Um, but the crazy thing is how high the stakes are for Seattle in order to make that happen. Um, it, in order to uh, to get both these teams into the Memorial Cup, Seattle has to win this series. It just boggles my mind that Kamloops can lose, but because they're the hosts, they still will be guaranteed their Memorial Cup berth. But if Seattle loses, then they don't even they won't even have a chance to be the WHL representative. It will be uh, Kamloops and the team from the East that will be squaring off for the, for the dub championship. And, and whether Kamloops wins or loses, the team from the East will, will be the other, will be the representative from the WHL in the Memorial cup. I know it's the way that it works and it's a, you know, time honored century old tradition and all that good stuff. And uh, that's not to downplay the, role that a team has to have in order to be selected to be a Memorial Cup host in the first place. Not only do you have to be the tournament city like Kamloops is, but you also have to have a team that's going to be a credible contender for the Cup. So I'm not taking anything away from from Kamloops, but uh, I'm just... I don't know. If I was Seattle, I just feel like that that the, the pressure after cruising through the first two rounds to actually have to really, uh, you know, make sure you step it up and and beat a very good opponent um, seems a little bit daunting at this stage. Or do you think the Kamloops is just going to cruise? So this is going to really test my theory on, uh, I think I mentioned it a couple weeks on the, ago on the show, where if you're Kamloops, while winning the WHL championship, uh, in the Western Conference and across the league is a fantastic achievement, and that should be your goal. There is it from there isn't that much of a, a benefit to doing it. There's really kind of a downside because if you're Kamloops, so let let's say you push Seattle to six games and you're down uh, what three two in the series, uh, and are you really going to go a hundred percent in that game six where? You could potentially get a player injured or something could happen. Well, you know that Seattle still has to go off and play either uh, Winnipeg, Saskatoon, or Red Deer, depending on how those series shake out. So while I'm not saying that Kamloops should give the series to Seattle, like I still think that they should go as hard as they can and try to win that series. To me, from a long-term perspective, having that week or two extra off might be more beneficial than like I said potentially going into that east or that's WHO final and having an injury um it's it, it's a fair point the hockey gods I think tend to frown on that sort of thinking um but uh certainly I think there's a there's this like subconscious element that might be in the in the minds of the Blazers that uh, that they know they're good and so they don't necessarily have to they can just give it a hundred percent they don't necessarily have to give it a hundred and five or a hundred and ten the way that uh, that Seattle maybe has to in order to get through this series so it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out but uh, I'm I'm like you I'm I'm very excited about this matchup and really looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Um, we'll leave that there for now and uh, turn to our NHL team of the week. We're finishing up the Pacific Division this week with the Vegas Golden Knights. And boy, do they have a lot of ties to the WHL. Yeah, so the Vegas Golden Knights have four drafted prospects, plus have already signed a prospect that is currently playing in the WHL. So what we're going to do is we're going to start from uh, old, uh, drafted first to uh, drafted most recent, and then we'll talk about the signed player. So 
Starting off, we are going to be discussing Jesper Weichmann, the goaltender who uh, recently played for the Vancouver Giants, uh, 2020 fifth round pick. So he's established himself as one of the best goaltenders over the past two years in the WHL. This season, he was uh, the BC Division's first All-Star and also the nominee for Goalie of the Year. Uh, though the Vancouver Giants were swept by the Kamloops Blazers in the first round of the playoffs, Beichmann finished his career on a very high note, making 62 saves in a 5-4 overtime loss in Game 4. Uh, he signed his entry-level contract on April 10th and made his AHL debut with the Henderson Silver Knights just two days later. Uh, in that game, he allowed three goals on 28 shots in a 4-2 defeat against the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, good size at 6'3", 173 pounds. Uh, he is expected to be an AHL goaltender uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights uh, as uh, early as next season. Um, and uh, as far as goalies go, I feel like Vegas is actually a pretty fruitful ground as far as opportunity. Um, it's it, what I looked at the Henderson page earlier today and I noticed that they had like seven goalies listed from their 2022-23 roster. And two of them are playing up with Vegas right now in, in Laurent Brossois and uh, Aiden Hill is backing up. So uh you know, we never expected Logan Thompson to graduate from uh, from Henderson to the role that he was playing in Vegas before he got injured. It seems like Vegas just goes through so many goalies that it probably won't be long before Vikman's turn comes, right? Yes, and um, Vikman is great to talk, like great talking to him over the last couple of years. He's always very honest, very open. I had the chance to sit down with him in, earlier this uh, season and talk to him about the different like what goaltenders go through mentally physically on the ice and head coach uh michael dick at the end year end press conference uh with us we asked him about vikman he said vikman will go as far as he wants to go so that's a really telling thing that this coach understands that he has this potential that he could potentially play in the nhl one day uh, all right, let's move on to the 2021 draft class uh, and a right winger from the Kamloops Blazers. Yes, yeah, somebody that uh, we will be hearing about a lot in the third round of the playoffs and the Memorial Cup, that is Jakob Demick. So fourth round pick in 2021. Uh, Demick is uh, set to appear in his second straight Memorial Cup as he was with Edmonton last season before he was traded to Kamloops uh, this year. Six foot four, 196 pound uh, right winger has nine points through the Blazers' first eight uh, games of the postseason. Um, he was injured for most of the year, so he only posted 11 points in 15 regular season games. Uh, but you can definitely tell that he's fully recovered from his injury based off his play. Uh, for his size, he has great speed and has an ability to utilize his size to his advantage as he drives the net hard uh, and he wins a lot of battles in front of the net. Um, still unsigned by Vegas, he has one more year of eligibility in the WHL as he is a 2003-born player, but that means that a team will have to take him on as an overager next year. So we'll see what happens with such a large amount of overagers for next season in the Kamloops system, if he stays with Kamloops or if he uh, is uh, dealt somewhere else within the WHL. All right. And then from the uh, 2022 draft, we've got two players and uh, one of them will be facing off against Demick from Seattle is uh, Jordan Gustafson. Yeah. So Jordan Gustafson is going to be tasked with shutting down that Kamloops uh, top line. So we'll see how he does uh, in that third round, but drafted third round in uh, 2022, reliable two-way center that has provided Seattle with good depth scoring this year. Listed at 5'11", 179 pounds, he finished the regular season with 36 points 
in 40 games. And through his first eight playoff games, he has two goals and an assist. Now, he is a shutdown center, so he did a really good job shutting down the Prince George Cougars' high-flying offense to just five goals in their four games. And like I said, he's going to be uh, crucial if the Seattle Thunderbirds have any shot of shutting down guys like Logan Sankoven, Olin Zellweger, and of course, Jakob Demick, who we just talked about. Another unsigned prospect, he's a 2004-born prospect, so he still has two more years of eligibility in the WHL, so expect him to be back on the Seattle roster next season. And then uh, also drafted in 2022, a little bit later, uh, Vegas took Ben Hammerling from Everett. Yeah, so just down the road uh, from Kent, the Everett Silvertips, uh, Ben Hammerling, sixth-round pick in 2022. He finished the regular season with 62 points in 55 games. Um, unfortunately, he missed the playoffs due to a late uh, upper-body injury, and it was clear that Everett missed him, uh, missed his scoring, missed his leadership, missed everything about him in the playoffs. So he's listed at five foot ten, 159 pounds. He also wore an A for the Silver Tips this year, and he could be a consideration for their captain next season. Another 2004-born player who's currently unsigned, he's going to be relied upon heavily uh, next season to carry the offensive load in Everett with their top goal scorer uh, leaving uh, due to uh, overage eligibility. Uh, got it. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Vegas has already gone out and signed one free agent out of the dub this year. Uh, we talked about him uh, a while back when those when signing season was sort of first uh, coming on. But uh, remind us once again about uh, about Christopher Sadoff. Yeah, Christopher Sadoff, the Finnish defender, was never drafted but signed an entry level contract with Vegas on March second. So currently he's listed at six foot one, 196 pounds, left shot defenseman, posted a career high 51 points in 59 games. Uh, he was also named to the WHL Central Division's first all-star team in each of the last two seasons and is nominated as the Central Division uh, nominee for the top defenseman uh, this year. A smart mobile defenseman who has who knows how to create offensive opportunities with his passes. He has seven points in 11 uh playoff game so far for the Red Deer Rebels. So we'll see how much of an effect he does uh, play in game seven. Um, and I guess we can, if Red Deer advances, he's going to be a big part of the reason why. A 21-year-old who turned 21 in February, he is expected to be in the AHL next year with the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, and we'll see where his uh, development takes him after that. Um, great. And, uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, the Henderson silver Knights, uh, they had, uh, quite a few former dub guys on their roster this season. So if you want to touch on, uh, some of the bigger names from that list. Yeah. So as you mentioned off the top, there are WHO players throughout the Vegas system. So some of the lists, uh, the list includes former Everett silver tip, Brian Frost, former, uh, Prince Albert Raider captain, uh, Brayden, uh, Pascal, as well as former Oil King Dyson Mayo and former Brandon Weekings uh, Yeri Patera. So those are just some of the names on the Henderson Silver Knights this year who have WHL ties, and some of them are even have even been transferred to the uh, Golden Knights roster for the playoffs as Henderson is not uh, participating in the AHL playoffs this year. 
Right. And uh, so on top of those guys, the uh, the Golden Knights big club is also deep with important talent that has come out of the WHL as well. We'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But uh, I think these are uh, some some names that are pretty familiar and uh, have been pretty important so far in uh, in Vegas's first round series against Winnipeg. Yeah, um we're hitting over double digits on players that have WHL connections that are currently on the Vegas Golden Knights roster. So you can definitely tell that uh, their management, who we'll talk about a little bit later, because uh, he has a big WHL connection as well, uh, really covet those uh, Western Canadian uh, kids. So we'll start off Shea Theodore, 2015 WHL Defenseman of the Year, former Seattle Thunderbird. Uh, they also had... Uh, 2012 WHL Most Sportsmanlike Player of the Year and Brandon Weeking's Mark Stone, uh, former Regina Pat forward Chandler Stevenson, and also 2012 WHL Playoff MVP and former Edmonton Oilers goaltender Laurent Brassois is currently their starter. Uh, we also have to mention former Brandon Weeking's uh, goaltender Logan Thompson, who we mentioned earlier, uh, is on the roster and played a massive role in them winning the Pacific Division this year. Uh, so Thompson went undrafted and made stops in U Sports, the ECHL, and the AHL before playing 37 games with the Golden Knights this year. Unfortunately, an injury has kept him out for the past year. Um, so we'll see if he's able to come back or what the status is if Vegas advances. But what a story for Logan Thompson and, uh, you know, the former uh, Brandon Weeking, uh, doing everything possible to get to the NHL and now having that opportunity. Yeah, and Thompson had certainly was making a good case for himself as one of those uh, older players to uh, take a crack at the Calder Trophy before the injuries kind of derailed his season. So uh, as you say, and as we talked about already, he's just part of the massive collection of goaltenders that are hovering around the Golden Knights and uh, may or may not be available at any given time. So uh, best wishes for his recovery. And uh, as you say, if uh, if Vegas goes on a long run, we, we may yet still see him before uh, before the, the NHL postseason uh, winds down. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, all of these dub ties right from the inception of the Golden Knights really can be traced back to uh, their original assistant general manager, who is now their GM, uh, Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah, Kelly McCrimmon. So back in February, he was the recipient of the WHO Governor's Award, which we did talk about. And it's basically given out to somebody who helps grow the WHL and is a kind of ambassador to the game. So it's a it's a award that's recognized league-wide and a very prestigious award to receive. So he spent 27 years as the Brandon Wee Kings GM and was the owner from 1992, uh, the 93 season, all the way until he sold the franchise in 2020. Uh, with plenty of WHL talent available once again this season and Vegas holding five draft picks, including their first rounder, don't be surprised to see Vegas dip into the WHL prospect pool uh, once again. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that we're going to see the uh, the connection between the WHL and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, start to fade anytime soon, especially with the success that Vegas has had getting back on track again this season. 
Uh, so we have one more division left to go. We still have to do the Metro. So we'll start uh, digging into that next week and we'll have updates on round three. We'll know who's playing and we'll have a bit of an idea of how those series are going uh, by the time we reconvene. So uh, please make sure you join us again next week. Thanks again for listening, watching today. And uh, if you haven't done so already, please make sure that you subscribe to the Hockey News on the Dub on your favorite podcast platform to check out past episodes of the show and all of the others in the Hockey News Podcast family, you can go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Uh, enjoy the games and we'll be back next week.